Welcome, everyone, to episode four of the Goulet Pencast, where fountain pens are still a thing. I'm Brian Goulet. And I'm Drew Brown. And we're here from Goulet Pens to deliver the casual and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show, where we talk about what's going on at the Goulet Pen Company and in our fountain pen lives. In today's show, we're going to get your feedback, whether we like it or not, talk about each of our own choice of Franken-pens. We have a bunch of Q&A questions from you all, and we got one of Drew's hypotheticals. So it'll be an exciting show. No quizzes this time, though that was pretty fun last time. <laughs> we don't feel like doing another hour and 40-minute show, so God. we're going to try to make it a little shorter, and I hope we succeed. So, Drew, we're also reformatting the show just a tiny, tad, tad, tiny, teensy little bit. Um, we're going to have the personal stuff towards the end of the video. So if that's not as much of your thing, you can just duck out early and that's cool. We're gonna get right into the pen stuff. So let's start it off talking about some feedback. Drew? Feedback. Well, feedback. Brian, we did ask some questiones last episode, some of which were answered. One thing we did discuss was whether or not we could try to find a different way to say eyedropperable or eyedropper fillable or able to be eyedroppered. Brian posed that to our audience, and our audience did indeed answer. By far, no, nah, maybe not by far, but I feel like the most popular term that came back as a suggested replacement would be barrel filler, which I actually really like. Hmm. Another option was direct fill, uh, body fillable, um, or injectable. All, all of these, hmm. I think, are more accurate and better than eyedropperable. But uh, the question is, will one stick? Do we want to try to get one to stick? Or are even we capable? Probably not. But uh, I do like barrel filler. I think that you, you can't really mistake barrel filler as long as you know what the barrel is. True. I mean, is that the common term that everybody knows as to like barrel body, body. Pen? body filler just sounds like you're it's like Bondo or something like a car, you know, the like paint yeah, stuff you put on the yeah. car and sand it off. Like that's what I think of with body filler. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, probably not body. In injectable. What about injectable? Injectable. Like there's already so many like drug addict related like terms used in the pen world like <laughs> i was thinking fuel injection but okay we can go there yeah too. i was thinking injectable right, direct, like syringe, syringe, direct you know. fill direct fill direct fill i don't know direct that that to me that's too open interpretation i don't know all right well i mean they're all appropriate within that context but i'm thinking like if i didn't know any of this stuff would any none of these would make sense to me if i wasn't already in the pen world you know what i mean well, neither does yeah, eyedropper. eyedropper. So really, <laughs> I don't know. regardless, none of them are going to make any sense. And it's not huh. a common method of filling anyway. Yeah, so. it is kind of a hack anyway. And we, we've, we've talked to folks, you know, pen folks, manufacturers and distributors and such, and when we ask, have asked them in the past, hey, is this eyedropper fillable? They look at us like we're crazy. We're like, what? People ask. It's a thing. But it's not as much of a thing as it sometimes seems like it is. Anyway, um, let's move on. We're probably not going to replace this thing anytime soon, but <laughs> it's like a, it's Maybe like a we'll hundred years of being called an eyedropper filler. It's like, doubt yeah, we're, gonna we're not going to change it, anything. Maybe we'll just do a different one every time. We'll see. Maybe if it um, catches on, who knows? Brian, you got a lot of birthday wishes on the last episode. Oh, thanks. So congratulations for being alive one more year. Thank Everybody you. was very happy that I, you're still with us. I tried really hard not to die, you know. Good job. Which was Good harder job. in the past you, year than it's been in other years. So, you know, that was not a small yes. feat. I actually did intentionally make changes in my life 
to not die. So, you know, being quarantined and so on. So not to make okay. light of that whole situation, but, you know, felt like an actual birthday. And uh, well, I think if we, if, if anybody out there survived 2020, you can give yourself a pat on the back. Indeed. And this is kind of a fun time. We talked about this in our personal message this week in our newsletter, but uh, there's this fun little time. Rachel was born 17 days after me. So uh, it's really fun for this like two and a half week period that I get to make fun of her for being so young and naive. And she talks about how old and out of touch I am. So uh, uh, we're still in, that, still in that magical period right now. It'll last for a couple more days. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, one other, uh, comment we got, we actually got two folks at least who said that they take washi tape and wrap it around their grip sections. If they find them to be too slippery, we discussed <laughs> metal grip sections and, uh, somebody had asked us in the Q and a segment, if there were any tips or tricks that we knew of that could make it not slippery and washi tape was hmm. a recommended option. Now, Drew, what is something, what is washi tape for those who don't know? I, you know what? It's pretty tape <laughs> that tape. people use in their it's like a paper. journaling it's like a paper adventures. Tape. Yeah, it can be, th- I think it can be paper. I think it can be some kind of plastic as well. I usually, I'll be yeah, honest, I'm not a, a, I'm not, a mat. Yeah, I'm not a washi expert myself, but uh, it's, it, it's meant for like, you know, decorative purposes on paper, you know, things like scrapbooking and, and journaling and stuff like that. Uh, it's very common. We don't, yeah. we don't carry it, but we know people who do. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 in the fountain pen Venn diagram. There's there's some crossover there. Overlap. So I thought that was I thought that was a good idea. Hmm. Um, ink stains on YouTube mentioned when we were talking about uh, white ink and whether or not you, there could ever actually be a white ink that was fountain pen friendly. Ink stains mentioned that the Boston safety pen from Noodlers exists, and that pen, while I personally have not tested this, claims to flow with some pen ink that's not usually fountain pen friendly, like India ink and stuff like that. So it's possible that if you did want to get thick white ink, yeah, it it may go through the Boston safety pen. Well, but that pen, the, the 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 nature of the question, if I'm remembering correctly, was like, why haven't fountain pen ink companies developed a white ink? It wasn't like, why can't I use white ink in a fountain pen? Right. So this is a, right. sort of a tangent to that. Yes, technically, you could use the Boston safety pen. Again, you know, this is off of a design of the safety pen from like the early 1920s and stuff where um, they were designed to be used with India ink, lawyer's ink, whatever you want to call it, China ink. Um, You know, basically heavily pigmented, you know, maybe non-water-based ink that was meant for like permanent documentation purposes, which, you know, traditional calligraphy ink could fall under that. Um, you know, Nathan designed the Boston safety pen in that similar fashion. So yes, it is a fountain pen. Yes, you can use some thicker, you know, non-water-based inks with the caveat that you have all the same issues if you're using a non-water-based fountain pen ink, like a calligraphy ink or something like that in a Boston safety pen. If it dries out in that feed, you're going to have problems. Like it still is going to cause flow issues and things like that. If it's not handled with like the appropriate level of consideration because you're still trying to flow that ink through a pen as opposed to dipping it um, like you would a calligraphy, you know, dip pen, you know, metal nib kind of thing. So it's, it's got a lot of caveats to it. Technically you could use, but that's using calligraphy ink. That's, it's a little departure from the nature of the question. Yeah. I just thought that, you know, had had I had the, had I had the foresight, I would have mentioned that last time when we were discussing it because it is a, it's a thing. It's a thing out there. It provides you with some extra. Sort of, sort of a hack. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and Lynn on YouTube also really cut me deep with this YouTube comment, Brian, and said to me that Fuddruckers is on its way out and the cheese hasn't been the same since the 80s and 90s. Ooh. And man, I would argue they're why, why? I would argue they're using the same cheese from the 80s and 90s. So <laughs> I could dispute that. <laughs> that's, that's or whatever, that, that, whatever that gives me smoke. Whatever pasteurized cheese product but, that may be in those pumps, who knows. But man, that that that's a hard truth I wasn't quite ready for. So could you just take it a little easier on me, please? Like throw me some softballs hey, every now and then. I got, I'm not I got memories. I got <sighs> deep cut memories of Fuddruckers as a kid. You know, like, uh, I remember, I mean, basically my parents, they worked like insane hours. They ran a business out of the house when I was a kid. And well, as anyone who's working from home during COVID life right now, they can attest like any opportunity you can get to get out of the house, you get excited about that. Um, so my parents, when they were like building their business, we didn't have a ton of money. So like the Fuddruckers had a deal with kids under, I think it was under 12, eight for free when you purchase this adult meal. So we could eat out as a family of four for like 11 or $12 or something what? like that. I don't remember that. I just remember you getting a oh, cookie and a hat. It was Monday through Friday. I think it was, or Monday through Thursday. So I remember like multiple times a week eating at Fuddruckers. Was that, oh. the, was that the healthiest option? Maybe not, but we got excited about it and my parents got out of the house and that's awesome. Do you remember so getting the cookie and the hat though? And the hat and the, yeah. And I remember they had a Bucky O'Hare arcade video game there, Drew. That's the only oh. Only physical evidence I have in my life that Bucky O'Hare ever existed, yes. aside from you. Oh, man. Because <laughs> nobody remembers Bucky that. Bucky O'Hare. <laughs> Bucky O'Hare's quality. That's right. Um, another fascinating YouTube comment, Brian Aaron on YouTube mentioned that during our Tanuki conversation, mm -hmm. Tom Nook from Animal Crossing, which yes. both of our wives are pretty pretty into, he's oh, a Tanuki. Yes. yes. You knew that? I knew that, yeah. We've, we've been talking about Tanukis. You never mentioned that. I mean, Did Rachel yeah. know that? He's, he's, he's like, you know, it's a cartoony, you know, kind of version of it. But yeah. It's but not still, like, Tanukis don't come up much. I thought for sure in our many Tanuki-ish conversations, you would have mentioned, oh yeah, the dude from Animal Crossing. Yeah, there's also like a, there's, me, a, there's a Tanuki Mario as well. In Well, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right about that. Uh, it's the kind I of thing feel, that like- I just feel like- I just don't have Animal Crossing like deep cut details top of mind all the time. So like when something is mm. mentioned, I don't immediately go to that. But like- Fair enough. Probably because my kids and Rachel are, are all so into it that I just like don't have to retain that information in my brain. You know what I mean? You know how it goes, Drew. It's like- <laughs> It's their job. You yeah, compensate like- Okay. Like just like Rachel doesn't have to remember anything about like wood or all tools right. or like- how to tie knots because like I'm super into that and she just doesn't need to care. Mm. All right. Well, I'll blame Rachel for not alerting me to that <laughs> bit of trivia then. Oh, yeah. All right. And then one, one, one more and perhaps the most astounding bit of feedback that we got during the last episode was that nobody seemed to be bothered, upset, or totally driven away by the fact that we had an obscenely long episode. In fact, Brian... <laughs> some crazy, crazy, crazy people out there even said, oh, it doesn't matter how long you do it, or you could go even longer. I mean, thank could you. Could we, though? But, like, <laughs> but are you insane? Oh, my gosh. Stop it. I think it's Don't time, Drew. I think like it's time. That. I think we just need to mount the GoPro, like, mount to our chest that just points at our faces. And we should just we walk, are not like, Truman showing this. We should just no, walk sir. around all the time live streaming uh, to the world. Good evening, good night. Oh my goodness. Right. So either way, thank you for your patience, by the way, for last time. But 
Man, apparently right. we don't have to thank them. They should be thanking us for recording the longest, the longest episode will, we'll probably, hopefully, say, ever do. <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna, we're not gonna, uh, we're not gonna try to find your limit. So thank you, no. but it will be different from now on. We didn't try not to find the limit last time, but anyway. Um, so no. I also have some feedback. We're, we're 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 on a good start here, Drew, with these long feedback sessions. Anyway, um, I have some some private feedback that we received. As a response to the um, critical feedback we got last week, you know, kind of took that head on, tried to do it gracefully, um, got feedback from the individual that contacted us offline. Um, again, I'll keep it anonymous, but they said, I'd like to thank you for acknowledging my negative pencast feedback on your most recent pencast episode. That's episode three. Uh, I noticed your efforts to reduce the amount of time talking over each other right away, and it made watching the episode much easier. I don't know if we're doing that so far this episode, but we'll keep trying. In addition, I'd like to acknowledge that I heard your return feedback regarding the more informal nature of the pencast and have taken it to heart. Expectations are paramount in this world, and it's always worthwhile to make sure we set them appropriately. I'm absolutely positive. I'll continue to look forward to watching new pencast videos as they evolve and further develop my newly found joy in writing in fountain pens. How cool is that? So like active dialogue going on here. That's what I love about this medium is that we get to, you know, broadcast to you all you tell us what you like we get to interact with you it's pretty cool it's pretty cool um, that is awesome yeah and then i have one other little thing um uh somebody emailed us uh her name's Alyssa. Uh, i'm really happy for the podcast especially since it's nice and fun banter which is hard to come by now that school is at home and i really only talk to my parents so this is cool a younger younger viewer um, I'm also enjoying Goulet Nation and going back to all the old podcasts. Hearing about the kids is pretty cute. So I thought that was kind of cool and encouraging um, that we are, you know, keeping folks company who maybe otherwise only have their parents to comfort them. So <laughs> I'm sure your parents are cool, but, you know, I'm a parent myself and I know my kids don't always think I'm so cool. But hey. No, no, you're definitely not. It's like the parent dynamic, right? I mean, you'll, what's the, the expression? The, the older I get, the wiser my parents uh, prove to be or something like that. So, oh, absolutely. It's definitely the case. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Moving on to the next segment. This is new stuff. New stuff. And we have some new stuff to talk about. Uh, one of which is the Twisby Eco Lilac. So hey. this came out. I don't know if we still have them, but they're a, they're a special edition. So they're, they're going to come and go a little bit. Twisbees have some stock issues, just like many, many, many everything everywhere right now is having some stock issues. But um, the got the lilac. It's a opaque color. It has maybe like a 5% translucency, just barely, um, to where it has like, I don't know how to explain it, Drew, but it almost has kind of like a milky kind of finish to it. Like it's still very glossy, mm. but like it doesn't have a super harsh like color uh, sharpness to it. Like the colors of feel, yeah, it looks a little yeah. bit soft, would you say? So anyway, yeah, like a, like, like, a, I thought that was interesting. You know, a, a pack of fruit snacks that every now and then one has every now and then has like one of those opaque ones, like the white shark that you'd get in those shark bite snacks. Mm. It, <laughs> now we're talking. Wow. That is a nineties throwback. Real, real good right there. Shark bites. Oh wow. man. That's I'll a good some one. shark bites right now. I, oh. I I immediately like visualized it in my mind as soon as you mentioned it. I man, that was exciting when you get those sharks in there. But yeah, you're right. It's definitely that. Right? Yeah. The great white. Uh, and then later good. they came up with the tiger shark. All right, I gotta shut up. <laughs> did they come shark up? Shark bites. Did they ever do like a just sharks like shark bite thing? That that's a good idea. Shark bites were always just sharks. 
No, but I mean like just great whites, like all great whites. You know, oh, sort of like Lucky Charms. Oh. Lucky Charms has like only marshmallow cereal. Like it's just marshmallow. <laughs> it's like terrible. Oh it's God. Like I can, I can accept the, cr- the, the, the crunch berry only, but marshmallows only, that is. <laughs> That's a thing. Man. Excessive. Yeah, oh it's right, right, right. I know it's pretty bad. All right. Um, <laughs> other new things that we have. So Diplomat has come out with a new Arrow, very popular pen. It's I would say it's their flagship pen. Uh, and so they came out with these stripe black and I really wanted to talk about this because uh, it just it, ha- it needs a little it needs a little splaining because uh, it doesn't it's not just like painted stripes on the thing. There's actual depth to it. So if you're familiar with the splain away, yeah. If you're familiar with the arrow, it's got these like gouges that are kind of cut out of it, right? So there's there's like scoops, you know, flutes, if you will, and uh, flutes. It's no different on the stripe black. So essentially, the process what they did for the stripe black is they anodized the whole thing black. And then they polished away the raised portion, I guess, and they left the relief cuts or the flutes black. So you still get this kind of cool, kind of like polished aluminum, or not really polished, but like a, a, oh, what's the word, Drew? It's like a buffed aluminum. It's got like, you can see some of the scratches and stuff. It's not like a highly Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, It's a um, uh, brushed aluminum. So it's like yeah, a it's like brushed. a brushed finish on the the silver part, and then it's a deep black that you will feel the difference in your hand because they're the flutes are actually a relief cut. So I don't know, kind of interesting. It's definitely more work for them to do it that way, but they left at the same price at one eighty, all the same nibs and everything that they have on their other arrows. So it's kind of a cool thing. And I thought, you know, if you're interested in the arrow and you just wanted to see something new that they were trying, you know, that is something new and. Theoretically, they could do that in other colors and stuff in the future. Who knows? But, you know, they're always coming up with ideas for the arrow. So I thought that was cool. That is cool. Yeah. Another new thing that we're going to have coming in May at some point is the um, regatta, which is, you know, if you're familiar with the pen, it's a magnetic cap that has this like glorious clink sound. I know you you're a big fan of that, Drew. Yeah, that's I, I am not a big fan of that pen. I think it's pretty obnoxious, but every time I get one in my hand, I can't put it down. So maybe I am. It's definitely a tinkerer's pen. It's not like yeah. you're not gonna want to write your Inca Rimo, you know, session with this thing, but and it's a little back heavy and stuff like that, but it does look freaking cool. And when and you, it's so much fun to post. And when you get a full abalone on this, it just looks fantastic. And you know, this was the sample. We haven't gotten the full shipment in yet to really be able to review them, but you know, basically abalone, it's a shell. And so they can't like, it doesn't, it's not round like this. So they have to cut it into strips and then they've laid out the strips next to each other to try to continue the pattern as much as they can. So again, I don't know if this is just the sample that we got or whether they're all going to be like this. I'm hoping they're going to try to do this with as many of them as they can. But the fact that they even have the cognizance to have it almost kind of like wrap the pattern around is pretty darn cool. So $132 yeah. for this pen for a full abalone pen like that is pretty rad or full baloney as Drew and I like to call it. Um, so uh, limited edition numbered on the pen out of 500. Uh, and then if you're into the abalone look, but you think full abalone is just a bit much, they're going to be coming out with uh, Monteverdi doing a non Goulet exclusive version. That's going to be alternating abalone and carbon fiber because that the carbon fiber thing kind of goes way back to their roots. So they're doing that and we'll carry that one as well. And that's coming. And then the last one I have is the Edison Premier. This is a another exclusive of ours. Um, and this is an Ecto Purple. So this is up on our site, but we haven't gotten them in yet um, and launched them yet, but it's coming soon. 
So this, <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, so this is a diamond cast material. If you're familiar with Tim McKenzie's, uh, you know, diamond cast material, it is that. It's a million freaking diamonds, Drew. Um, <laughs> that's the throwback the reference. reference. Throwback reference. Episode yeah. one. Yep. And uh, yeah, it's a limited edition, only 150 pens. They will be numbered and, you know, nice purple, black, and white kind of silvery swirl going on there. And it just... Really cool. So we're happy to be able to do that. Haven't done a, a, you know, limited edition, numbered limited edition with Edison in a while. So pretty excited about that. Uh, yeah, that's what I got, Drew. How about you? For sure. Yeah, we got, I've just got a ton of rickshaw stuff, Brian. So I'm obviously really excited about our new koozie case. So this is oh. our exclusive, our exclusive, our exclusive synthscape. That's kind of a, this is our exclusive synthscape. Pretty attractive, pretty attractive design. design there, Drew. I gotta say, you know, it's all right. Credit it's to the right. creator it was, of that one. It was designed by yours truly, but it is a case for your cases. So it opens up, and then you put pen koozies in the koozie case. So we've got this. We had this available as, well, still do have this available as a three-pen case, but now we've got it as a koozie case, whereas before we only had one available with the Goulet ink in water sort of thing. There you go. And we also decided to pick these up. So these are rickshaw pen koozies or pen sleeves, and they're just plain old black, but with a little bit of exciting Hey-o. stuff here in the, in the middle, which is rickshaw's royal plush, which if you have not felt one of these you are going to have your life change because they are amazing. And really, if you want to take good care of your pens, this is the way to do it. So we've got them in a three, a two, and a one, all with different colors inside of them. So we've got orange, pink, and a beautiful, beautiful teal. Uh, Peacock, I believe it's called. So we have these, and then, of course, you can pick up as many of these as you want, shove as many as you can into one of these, and you've got a nice modular system for your pens. We went with these because we realized that the ink and water thing, while beautiful, isn't the right fit for everybody. So we figured yeah. that, you know, straight up black will be more appealing for folks. We also picked up the very, very professional three pen case in this delightful gray tweed. So if you feel the need, the need for tweed, oh, wow. this is what wow, you are going to need to get right here. I, I yeah, you know, um, <laughs> that's good. That's good. Mark, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure Mark Dwight over oh, it, uh, it, it invites put, itself. Put that on his, it needs to be said. Yeah. yeah I, I think he put that on Instagram uh, a couple times, but anyway, this is really good. And I really love the feel of this too. Um, it, all the cloth is really good. The you stitching would. is really amazing. You would so, love the feel of tweed. I do. Mm-hmm. I do. You don't need to say I would, cause I said I did and I do. So yeah. <laughs> Um, you know what, Drew? Anyway. Drew, those those pen the the koozie cases, the black ones. You know what yes. those remind me of? So I watch a lot of like no. Planet Earth and you know Life in Color and stuff like that. Basically, anything David Attenborough will uh, you know narrate. Big fan. Well, then you're a good human. Yeah, Everybody should watch. Uh, Dave. It reminds me of like the Birds of Paradise. You know where they're like all black, oh, yeah. but then they just like like flash their crazy oh, stuff yes. for their ladies, especially this one. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what that reminds me of. It's like very unassuming. And then you open it up and you're like, oh, I'm incredible. <laughs> yeah. Creates this little dance floor. Yeah. And it just goes nuts. That's yeah. Right. I know what you're talking about. That's right. It's pretty cool. I got you. It's pretty cool. I got you. Um, we're also picking up more stuff. So I don't know if you're familiar with the no borrow pen sleeve. It is essentially a rickshaw single pen sleeve that says, no, you cannot borrow my pen. Brian's got it right there. The OG. Brian's got the original. Got the OG. The OG. Um, we also picked them up in purple and a blue. So because it wasn't bright and ignorable enough, you can get them in different colors now. 
also keeping with the individual pen sleeve thing, Rickshaw has come out with a buzz um, thing. Hey, I've got one right here. Um, to uh, a buzz sleeve to go with their buzz pen. And my favorite part about this pen is that it's got the cute little bear face on it. And I love him because he's also on the finial of the pen. You probably cannot see that, but it's a bear and he's adorable and you need him in your life. Totes adorbs. Rickshaw. Yes. Rickshaw and Retro 51 also are collaborating with this and this and this. These are dog and cat and dog and cat. Cat, cat dog. dog, cat dog, pen sleeves. So this was to go in conjunction with Retro 51's newly released Cat Dog Rescue Series 4, which mm-hmm. uh, have similar designs. So like the buzz, you can match your pen with your sleeve. So those will be available ongoing. You can get one with your pen, or if you just want a dog and pen case but don't want a dog and cat pen case, pen. You definitely said well, dog and pen. You don't pen. buy the pen if you don't want to. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, lots of rickshaw, which is cool and exciting and fun. Always good to have a new way to express yourself. I mean, maybe through. maybe you're not into pens and you just want to put your like bully sticks or something in the in the dog oh! and the cat pen. <laughs> I wouldn't. Those things smell. <laughs> yeah, they definitely have a smell yeah. to them. Yeah. You can put Yeah, no, go ahead, put your slim gins in there. Why not? Um and then we're going to be picking up some new Bennu. So they will be new. Um, the Talisman is coming out in June, and it is a true Banu pen. It is a number six nib. It has these kind of fun, um, I guess they're facets. They're kind of... Yeah, they're like... They're tapered facets. They're, sc- they're like... Yeah, that's like scoop, scoop, scooped out facets. Yeah. Um, but it's really neat. It kind of looks like an antique glass sort of design. I, mm. I find it really nice. And it's got all of the things you have come to expect from Banu, some glow-in-the-dark stuff, some sparkly stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, they'll be here in June. They're good pens. Number six solid, nibs, solid number six designs. nibs, the larger nibs. So they're definitely yes, indeed. pumping those out more, which is great to see. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm very happy to see that. And then the Peniter Alchemist, which, uh, is a mm. big deal. Something that has been long anticipated from Peniter. Um, it is, uh, basically they're marketing it as very material centric. So this pen is made up of zeolite, which is a combination of, or I don't, I don't know the details of it, but it's water <laughs> and lava, or lo- water and volcanic mixing together. There's this whole big yin yang thing with water and lava. It's a unique material, essentially, is what I'm saying. Um, yeah. But uh, you, that, yeah, that'll be coming down the pipeline. I don't know if we have a date for that yet, but end of the month. But I don't know that we have a firm yeah. date. Yeah. It's coming. There'll be more information coming out about that. You know, Dante's even thrown the idea of like doing a video together on it. We've still got to coordinate that, but that that could be possibly coming as well. And he can explain it. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of information. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of information to give out on that one. So you will hear more about that for sure. Definitely. Good stuff, Drew. All right, we are rolling right along here. Now we're going to get into the Q&A portion of the show. And I'm going to kick it off with... Question number one. Some fountain pen enthusiasts have said that elastic pen loops can cause damage to fountain pens and should be avoided for long-term or frequent storage. We're talking about pen cases here. Is it better to use penvelopes or sleeves like Rickshaw over those like Aston and Girologio? And I picked this question, Drew, because I know you have feelings about your pen cases. I do. Um, 
I have here a Franklin Kristoff saddle boot leather pen case that I absolutely love. I bought this at a pen show years ago, um, but the the um, elastic on here is super, 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 super tight. Mm. And I've been using it. I've been using it for years. I have expensive pens in here. I have a Mont Blanc in here. I have you know uh, Homo Sapiens in here. Nothing has been damaged. So. Um, that being said, well, Drew, that's because that resin is precious. So you have to, you know. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, so precious. precious. That being said, Brian, if something, some particulate, and granted, I don't actually, you know, use and reuse and reuse and reuse this a ton. It's more for storage. So mm-hmm. there is that mm-hmm. caveat mm-hmm. too. But let's say something got in between that tight, tight elastic band and the pen, and went, and the pen went in and out of it. Feasibly, absolutely, yes. You are creating friction on something that is very tight. And if you have something vintage, maybe something that is a little bit more heat sensitive as well, something that tight could end up warping something you know, down the line. This has been kept in my office, so no harsh conditions at all. I don't use and reuse it a ton, so yeah. probably not the best example. But nothing bad has happened so far. That being said, you cannot beat the coziness of a rickshaw case and i know i sound like a rickshaw fanboy when i say that but realistically there's no stress being put on it now and there are pen cases that achieve that as well but they also don't keep it in place so you can go with something like an elastic band which keeps it really tightly in place or you could go with something like more of a pen tray visconti has made those esterbrook has made those um Peniter as well but then you do get upward and downward movement you can't really shake them around they're going to move up and down there's going to be some wiggle room there so but then again nothing is tight on them however with rickshaw it's just tight enough to keep things straight keep things padded in together and with separate channels, nothing's bumping into each other, so you don't have the possibility of something getting clamped on to its neighbor, um, but yet you don't have any movement, and it's nice and cozy. So I really do think it's the best of both worlds. There you go. So me personally, um, I have a lot of pens. I have a lot of pen cases, different types of pen cases. I personally cannot recall like specific like pen trauma that I've experienced from any type of elastic loop or anything like that. As long as it's like not fallen apart and the pen's fallen out of the case, I haven't really noticed any particular like damage or wear or anything that's happened due to a, you know, elastic band or anything like that. Um, I think kind of where I fall is like, okay, if you really care about that, sure, go towards you know, a rickshaw or something like that. And then you just don't ever have to worry about it. Um, however, that said, if you're looking at storage more for like bulk storage, you're talking like 20, 40, 96 pen cases, you're not going to get away from an elastic band of some kind. Cause when you get into like the storing many, many, many pens, the only secure way to really do that <laughs> is to, uh, you know, have an elastic band cause it just holds it firmly in place. And, um, usually when you're storing bulk pens like that, you're not pulling every pen out every single day. So you're just, you're not going to be interacting with any one pen probably that much. So it's of less concern. So I would say me personally, I tend to gravitate towards sleeves and, you know, like I got a little Girologio two pen case here that, like doesn't, it doesn't have a, a band, you know, and that's fine for a two pen case. I'm more likely to take these two pens in and out and in and out, and out many times, you know, where as if you have it 
you know, it's really the friction of like moving the pen in and out where it's going to put stress on the clip going over an elastic band and that elastic band itself could theoretically scratch the pen. Um, so I think, you know, basically if you're going to use the pen a lot every single day, maybe lean towards something that doesn't have an elastic band if you are that concerned about it. And for your bulk storage, I actually prefer the elastic bands for the security of them for like a, you know, Girologio 96 pen like briefcase. I wouldn't really want this like not secured and with a band, you know, because then basically you'd have the potential for things to rattle around and fall out with this many pens. You just couldn't, I couldn't have a 96 pen rickshaw sleep. I don't know what would that even look like? I mean, I think they did a uh, retro 51, like 51 <laughs> case thing, but that's like, it's like the size of a pillow. I mean, it's like not as practical. It's cool. It looked but it's like, like half of a, it looked like half of a fire log. It's, it's definitely cool, but it's like, you're not going to carry that thing around, you know? So it's like there, there reaches a point where it's maybe not as practical, but great question though. I thought it was worth, worth answering. Drew, what's the next one? For sure. Next up, we have a question, um, where someone asks, I was wondering how fountain pens work with handcrafted rag paper. As you may well know, rag paper is made out of shredded and processed textiles and is often from enthusiast-managed paper works of very high quality. How does your standard fountain pen work on these papers? Is there a special type of nib pen recommended? What kind of ink should one use? Do we well know how rag paper is made? <laughs> <laughs> no. I'll be honest, I, I kind of selected this question for you, Drew, partly to Why? For you, for you to ask to me. No, it's interesting because we do get asked about random types of paper. Oh, oh you oh for me to ask you. For Great. you, yeah, go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Have fun. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So enjoy I, I that set one. myself up for this one. Um no, I mean, so my uh, I'll I'll admit rag paper. I don't a hundred percent know what that means. I'm assuming it means like cotton rag paper, basically made from again, like some sort of textile. So you're talking about some sort of cotton paper. So the issue with any type of natural paper fiber, which most paper is wood pulp, right? Um, but you can also do it from cotton. You can do it from, you know, theoretically other things. Um, so there's, there's often some cellulose base to your paper that the ink is going to absorb into. So the thing is with wood pulp, there's often like a clay mixture that's in there that helps to resist some of the absorption of the ink. A lot of fountain pen paper has a pretty high clay content. It's not ever something that they publicize or, you know, say on the paper that it is, but pretty much you can assume if a paper is really, really smooth, it's going to have a higher clay content to it. Um, hmm. And the, the dry time is going to be longer because the clay is going to help resist you know, the absorption of the ink into the cellulosic fiber. Um, now, super generalization, there could be other chemicals and stuff in there that I'm just not, you know, oversimplifying it, but but that's sort of what was going on. So when you're generally speaking, when you're talking about cotton paper, you're talking about a pretty dang absorbent paper. Um, so that said, the only cotton paper that I know of that we've ever carried has been original crown mill cotton card stock or like cotton, like, um, not card stock, but the, the late, the, the laid paper, the, the, um, what's it called? The, the well, tablets, like the stationary. Yeah. 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 yeah the, there's laid and then paper. there's cotton. Yeah. Yeah. But so it's like a, a five stuff. Yeah. It was very toothy and it was quite absorbent. Um, not so, I mean, it's high quality. So like, here, the question that you're asking, you know, about it being like high quality. Okay. I no doubt it's very high quality, 
but that doesn't mean that it's the best paper for fountain pen ink. I think it's going to be very absorbent. It's going to feel very soft, if that makes sense. Like the Crown Mill stuff, like you can actually feel while you're writing with it. It's got more drag to it. It's got more resistance. You know, you really feel the difference in the type of paper that it is. Um, it's subtle, but it's there. So I think that when you're dealing with any cotton rag paper, you're going to deal with a lot more of that. I think the biggest issue you're going to see with cotton rag paper, and it's going to be all over the place. There's no one brand I could tell you is better than the other. Cause I just don't know it that well, excuse me. Um, is it's going to be very absorbent. So that's the thing that you're going to be dealing with. So I think with that in mind, special type of nib, et cetera, uh, and ink, you're going to go with something that has a less of a tendency to bleed through on the ink, you know, not a super extended dry or dry time. You want something that is going to be less likely to feather that type of stuff because the paper is going to want to do that anyway. So if you use Hmm. like a super, super wet ink, it's going to bleed worse. It's going to ghost worse. It's going to feather and do all those things worse than it would on a more ink resistant paper. And then the, the nib basically just going with a drier nib, a finer nib, you know, trying to put less ink on the paper. I think that's everything you're going to be dealing with when you're talking about a cotton paper still. Yeah, but not an extra fine because those, the being a more textured paper, you're going to, I think that's going to be, that's going to be the dance. That's going to be the dance that you're going to have to do. And you're going to have to experiment and see, you know, the finer the nib, the toothier it's going to feel, which if it's already a toothy paper, could be just not a great writing experience for you. And it could actually like scratch up some of the cotton fiber and then clog up your nib and stuff like that's, that. So that's what's happened with me. You're going to deal with the original crown mill stuff. You're going to yeah. deal with more of that. Yeah. So it's going to be a fine balance for you to find. It's going to be highly preferential. But again, I think, you know, going with something that, you know, if you're going with like, for example, like a Noodler's Eternal ink or something like that, that has a tendency to feather a little bit more anyway, because it spreads out, you know, any type of fast dry ink, like the PR fast dries that we're getting into the, you know, the, any of the diatromatous documents, maybe like you're going to see some more spread and some more bleeding with some of those perhaps than you would maybe with a conventional ink. I think you're just going to have to experiment a lot, but it's it's another avenue to go down if you really like that style of paper. All right, next question. This one was specifically for you, Drew. Why do you think that brown pens and inks are not so popular? I practically only use brown inks and love my brown pens. Thank you for everything you do. The show is great. Drew, I know you are a brown advocate, not just because of your name, but you genuinely like the color brown and things that are brown. So I thought you you could you could have a soapbox here to stand on for a minute. I really do not understand why brown inks are not more popular, friend. They are a great way to be professional at work using a very very dark ink that doesn't say, "Hey, look at me. I'm not using the aforementioned, you know, approved inks, but yet I'm I'm fun cuz I'm from a fountain pen and I am a different color." So dark browns are a great fun way to you know, use at the office a little subtly. There's a great variety. They always look good, especially with a light brown with some shading. Mm, and brown pens are delightful too. There's a, there was a, oh, stop it. Don't make that. Are they? Me, Brian Goulet. Yes. Do you remember that gold hardware diplomat excellence in that brown? Mm. Tell you what, I don't even know if we ever carried that one, but it was lovely. I don't know if we did. Brown I'm trying arrow. to remember it, actually. <laughs> the brown arrow got discontinued, but that was the best arrow. The coffee all-star was the best all-star, and that got continued. That was a good all-star. Be- that I'll give you. It was. Yes. Brown pens yeah. are fantastic. They're lovely. Yeah. They, and, there's, and you know what? Okay. Amber Custom, 70, uh, Custom 823. I'm not going to drop this mic, but 
Well, like I mean, John. the smoke pretty much goes head to head with the amber and the amber has been around longer. So, you know, it's, it's, I will say that's probably one of the more popular brown pens that we carry though. Definitely. And brown is one of the few things that can make gold hardware look nice. That is true. Brown and brown and gold, like you almost need to have gold hardware with, with brown pens like that. But just saying, yeah, I would say if you call it mocha or like toffee or something like that, instead, it just makes it more appealing to me. I don't know why. Like mocha, any type of like mocha. Drew Mocha. I like that better. Yeah. No, you do not. How no, dare that's you? better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Drew Cafe. Quiet, you. Yeah, Drew Cafe. Olay. <laughs> um, Noodlers make some great brown inks. Noodlers Brown is good. Noodlers number 41 Brown is good. Walnut is good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Beaver. Also good. 41 Brown. I don't know if you said that one. Yeah, I did. Those are all good. But it's still good. Those are all good. Yep. Diamond Chocolate Brown. Right. Diamond Chocolate is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. and uh, Diplomat actually has a good brown. Um, uh, yeah, uh, the new ones, the the new ink. Uh, car- caramel, Diplomat Caramel. Yes, mm. it's a good one. There you go. I mean, Diamond Copper Burst, Ancient Copper. Sorry, Ancient Copper. That's, I think we need to have that would class a best the brown. browns, best browns ink sample set, Brian. Pelican Brilliant Brown. That. that one's. That oh, one's, I know you have feelings about that. That one's OG right there. <laughs> So fun, fun, refuse, fun little behind the yeah, scenes. Go ahead, go ahead. Fun little behind the scenes go thing. Ahead. This happens sometimes. <laughs> a little little inside baseball behind the curtain kind of thing here. So, um, you know, when we list new products, uh, we will get information from the supplier. And this information could come in many forms. It could come by email, by a phone call, by, um, you know, a Pigeon. spec sheet of some kind. It could come through you know, in a pricer that's in like a a spreadsheet, it could, um, come on the product itself or the, the label that's on the outside box of the product. There's many different ways that something could be labeled. Uh, and often I would not even just say sometimes often it's not a hundred percent consistent in every single one of these methods, because there's a lot of different people. It's a lot of different things that have to do. And it's usually being changed from a different foreign language. If it's coming from overseas, et cetera. So, uh, Pelican, has a color called is the actual name brilliant brown i i can't even i can't even recall now at this point but in their four thousand yeah in their four thousand one series of ink they have a brilliant brown but it was either on the box or on the bottle i can't remember which now because it's been over a decade but one of them said brilliant brown the other one just said brown and i just in my early days was just very adamant about like how can brown be brilliant like brown is just a earthy, flat color. Like there's nothing like brilliant is not a color that I would associate with brown typically, particularly with an ink. So Drew, of course, being very offended by that. Um, you know, we went back and we've gone back and forth with this over a decade. So now, you know, whenever we bring up but brown. All the other ones were brilliant. All the other ones were listed as brilliant, but you're like, no, not that one. Well, because it was, I, I think it was the bottle itself said brown and like the box said brilliant brown or something like that. And I was like, it gave you an out. It gave yeah, you an out. I was out. like, like, I'm, I'm going to write I'm, and I'm taking it <laughs> to this day. I think, uh, if you look up Pelican brilliant brown, the swab, the composite that we have, I did the handwriting for that like a decade ago. It just says brown. It doesn't say brilliant brown. I think we've <laughs> never corrected it. I think it's just been that little Easter egg. And so whenever we're talking about brown stuff, I'm like, is it brilliant, Drew? And it's like a nice little, yeah. it's a nice little like zinger. It is. That we get to bring up all the time. Yeah. But anyway, hey, look, 
I think Brown is great for those who love it. I think personally, I I am more in love with Brown ink than Brown pens. Like I like Brown pens sometimes, but I'm not like every Brown pen that comes out. I'm like, oh, I got to have that. Just not my jam. But Brown ink, I see the appeal of a lot of different Brown inks. Like I, I rarely see a Brown ink that I don't like, to be quite honest. There you go. It can look like chocolate. Not it can look anybody. like tea. There's a lot of great things to go on. Sepia browns. I'm a big fan of those too. You know, you get that kind of like old, old, like handwriting kind of like old world kind of look that like sepia kind of like, like you spilled some tea on your page and it turned into letters. I don't know what I'm talking about. Let's move on to the next question. Exactly that. <laughs> Go ahead. All right, Brian. Josh Yates is asking us, what is the next big project for Goulet Pens once things return to normal? Uh, what is normal now? Yeah, that, that part I didn't understand. <laughs> well, we've gotten this question quite a bit, you know, because obviously as sure. the world changes and there are vaccines to be had and there are some elements of normal life that are coming out of this COVID thing, um, you know, obviously there's a temptation of like, all right, our life's been on hold. Now I want to see something really exciting coming out of this. Really, I took this question so that I could say nothing. Like we literally... <laughs> are just trying to keep going. And you heard it here first, every, folks. Everything's been, I mean, like our big project is to return to normal, whatever that is. Like we are still gonna have to define like, what does normal look like for us? Are we gonna have a like blended, most people in the office, but some people work remotely? And what does that look like? You know, cause there's some lingering stuff here that's gonna change things in the greater like working community and social community for the long term. So it's yet, to be seen. It's, it's unknowable as the phrase would go, um, to say what that's going to be, but we are definitely not like sitting on some major big project so that when the, whatever, I don't know, I'm picturing like the, you know, uh, uh, Fauci like has a, a whistle, like adult swim is over and all the kids go running back to the pool. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, everybody return back to society. We'll be like, okay, now we've decided that we are opening six locations and da, 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 da. No, no, none of that. Like once things return back to normal, we're going to get back to normal and then we'll start planning some projects once we have the energy again. So like literally we're not holding on, we're not like sitting on anything that we're like, oh, I just can't wait to release this once we can X, Y, Z. Nah, it's going to be a slow easing back into things. So we haven't gone away completely and we've been keeping doing our thing. And just like when it come, when all comes back, we're not going to like come out with some big banner raising, you know, thing that we've been hiding. Now nah, it's just, we're going to, we're just going to keep doing our thing and be here for y'all, whatever that looks like. There you go. Yep. Um, I guess I've got another question coming up. It looks like we, yeah, we had a whole skip something. You can take two in a row. Go for it. Cool. All right. All right. Here we go. This one should be short because (laughs) if you say anything else, I'm going to be upset. If you had to choose Brian, this is from E bear Inc on Instagram. Mm. If you had to choose, if you had to choose Brian Goulet, should John Lane of Coles of London slash Visconti slash ST DuPont, John Lane shave his mustache or should Drew grow one. Oh, 100% Drew should grow one. I mean, there is no, no doubt. No, no, no. No doubt. First off, I don't, oh my. I don't, I don't want to know what John Lane it might be hiding under that mustache. I mean, I don't think I want to see what's under there. That's um, a good point. That's now, good to point. be fair, he has, he has sometimes shaved it down so much where you can actually like see the skin through it. You know how like if you have a mustache for a while, you yeah. like trim it down really hard. He's still got it, but it's like, 
It's like a, yeah. a week of a mustache, you know, a week mm-hmm. week long growth, not like weak as in not a lot of strength, though that still applies. But, um, yeah. you know, he would be a fine looking guy with that mustache. But Drew. Yeah, Drew, however, Drew, if he grew out his mustache, it would be the saddest, most pathetic thing. <laughs> there would be just like, you would have to like, like, like sparse, reddish, <sighs> light brown, dirty awfulness it, oh, it basically God. would look like if you took like a mascara brush and just like wiped it on your <laughs> your, your upper lip that's what it would kind of look like oh it's so sad it like grows in <laughs> thicker on the edges too oh so yeah it's like oh god it's so bad you know what there was it i'm sure there's been a right now where both of us did no shave november um because oh, we sure, both yeah. did it at the same time yeah we so. did uh, yeah yeah, maybe we can go. We can, maybe we can go and uh, link, Drew, link that. In I don't think you like would that. just a mustache would be so high, so great. But I, you would have no. You, could, you can pull off a full beard. You look surprisingly okay with a full beard. That's because it takes the attention away from the upper lip. Probably as yeah, long yeah. as there's a distraction there, so that you yeah. don't look at that. But I feel Ooh. like that's okay. Like there's definitely like like famous like celebrities and stuff like that where you're like they do not have strong facial hair, but they still pull it off. You know what I mean? Like I think of like like a yeah I could. Christian Bale, like he's one that I think of. And like, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, oh, shoot. Shia LaBeouf. Like, not like known for having like yeah. a super strong beard. Like it's pretty sparse and kind of patchy. But like, mine would be, still mine would off, be like, pretty neck beardy like Shia. Yeah, it would be kind of like Bale, that. He, he's, he can, I, see, I don't know what, because he's been in some like um, period pieces where he's had a really full mustache. I don't know how much of that was him though. If it was enhanced. But he can grow some pretty crazy some pretty crazy facial fair hair. Enough, Shia fair LaBeouf, though, that, that, that's a good example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's, kind, like that's that. kind of how your, your hair grows. You could pull it off. Just do it. Just do it. Yeah, that's exactly what I pictured. Before <laughs> I could remember his name, I was picturing him on the green screen. Yeah, good stuff. All right, uh, next question. Are there any fountain pens which are made of sustainable material? Sustainable yes. material, like earth-friendly material, I'm assuming, recycled stuff or natural material of some kind. Yeah, there are. Have you got any top of mind, there are Drew, that you know? Yeah, we ca- we carry one. Yeah. What is it? I can't remember. Do you know what I'm talking about? I asked this question without actually having an answer. So I'm hoping you remember. Uh, uh, I'm actually, it's the uh, the Visconti Ecologic. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. That's a good one. Um, that is made, that's made out of uh, hemp. There you go. Um, also, any wood pen. Wood, wood is one of those things that, you know, people think like, oh, it's wood. You're cutting down all the trees. Well, wood is like literally one of the most sustainable materials on earth because I mean, the phrase doesn't grow on trees. Like that comes from wood, like wood literally grows on trees. So, I mean, wood pens are incredibly sustainable if it's, if it's made from a, you know, like in a responsible way, which all the pens that we carry to my knowledge are so. Um, yeah, the uh, the ecologic says it's made from bioplastic obtained from hemp plants, a non-polluting material that is equally very durable. Yeah, there you go. So you got your hemp pen. Yeah. Um, also, the Noodler's pens, the <laughs> the smelly ones, um, the vegetal the resin. Vegetal resin. Yeah, that that is a uh, surprisingly sustainable material. Um, it's actually biodegradable too. When you like bury it in compost, um, it'll last for it'll outlast our lifetimes. In and it already like, smells like compost. And it, <laughs> I don't know. It's like it's got that weird smell. Like you know, Drew. I know you. Sometimes you like forget to put on deodorant. You're like, oh man, like oh, I smell. And then you're like, you're like can't yeah, stop. Do smelling I have? It. Do I have an Ahab in there somewhere? You're what, like, what is happening? But it, like you can't stop smelling it. It's that musky, 
It's that like, I don't like the smell, but I can't stop smelling it. You know what I mean? I, I have I have been known to go back to an Ahab and be like, you, there's always that second, like, oh my God, it's so bad. Oh, it's still bad. Oh, it's I'm still like, bad. Why did you do that? Why am I doing this? Why did you Why smell that Ahab again, this? Drew? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Terrible. It's good. It smells like sustainability. That's why. Um, those Ooh, are the ones that I have top of mind. Nice. There, there are probably others out there, yeah. but those are the ones that I have top of mind. Yeah, there are definitely a few. Awesome. All right. Um, somebody on Instagram, I can't pronounce this thing, but uh, why are gold stub nibs so rare? Is it a lack of demand or is it just that steel is a better material for stubs? Um, Brian? I don't think it really matters per se, whether it's steel or gold, because you're not actually grinding the steel or the gold. Um, I think more stubs tend to be steel because they are actually stubbing. Well, actually, I'm going to dispute what I literally just said. So uh, most stainless steel nibs you see that are stubbed are not actually tipped with a tipping material. Um, You know, because... The tipping material, it's a whole extra step in the process. The tipping material itself is expensive and it's difficult to do and it's a lot of extra handwork. I think you can mass produce, like you can machine uh, like a stamped stainless steel nib with a stub on it way faster and easier than you can produce a gold nib with the tipping and the hand grinding and all that kind of stuff. So that's why you see that. I mean, yes, technically the stainless steel material is not going to be as hard as the tipping material would be on a gold nib when you're stubbing it. But, you know, when you have a stub nib, there's a lot of material that's touching the paper. So I think it's going to wear in a acceptable enough time frame to where you can have it straight on the stainless steel. Um, whereas, you know, a conventional nib, like a fine, medium, broad, whatever, is still going to have tipping material on a stainless steel nib. Uh, but a gold nib, it, you do not want to have an untipped gold nib even on a stub it's still too soft so um, there's all the extra cost of the gold plus you're going to see that all that extra work involved with tipping and grinding and all that kind of stuff and there's and there's more i mean drew you know because we've done some grinding stuff ourselves kind of messing around it's it's a lot more steps to get a good accurate stub ground on like a tipped especially gold nib because if there's any additional pressure or flex that you're adding to it in the grinding process that can mess it up a little bit. So it's just, just a lot of extra attention that it takes. So I don't think it's for a lack of demand uh, directly, but I think it's because it's more difficult to do and it's got to be way more expensive that that right there affects the demand of it. Um, and it's just harder to get it right. Wouldn't you say like a gold nib, yeah, this yeah. gold stub nib? We just don't see a lot of them that are awesome. Like from the no, factory. but I honestly, I honestly wouldn't even say that they're that rare. I mean, most European fountain manufacturers that make gold nibs make a stub. Uh, Sailor makes stubs. Pilot doesn't do a lot of stubs on their gold nibs, but mm-hmm. really, I mean, they're they're out there. I mean, the Vanishing Point's got stubs, so I don't, I don't, I wouldn't even say that they're all that rare. I think that. In Japan, uh, just because of their... It's not a Japanese... Uh, like, it doesn't f- suit the Japanese writing style. So it, exactly. It doesn't suit the exactly. language, so, so you won't really see them often. Exactly. So that that's one reason they're probably not as pervasive, yeah. but they are there. Um, I don't think they're that rare. They're certainly not as rare as, you know, flex nibs. Yeah, but you're not going to see, like... You know, a, on a gold nib pen, you're not going to see like a 1.1, 1.5, 1.9 option on every pen they come out with. You know, no, you not. might see one 1.1 or a 1.3 or something like that. Yeah, but they don't even do that on your normal um, your normal steel nibs either. Like Lamy does it, but True. that's pretty much it. Everywhere, everywhere else is pretty much like 
you know, it's there's good. the standard nibs and then a stub, which is usually a 1.1. Yeah. Yeah. So. Fair enough. Yeah, you know. All right. Um, Next one. What you got? All right. How do you clean a fountain pen where there's still ink in the converter that you want to save? Oh, man, we get asked this so much. So yep. much. Um, it depends. It's not going to be a lot of ink. I'll start off with that. It seems like a lot. But the most that any conventional converter is going to hold is about a half a milliliter of ink. It's not a ton of ink. If you have a 30 mil or a 50 mil bottle of ink, you're talking about like one to 2% of the entire value of the ink, you know, in that full converter, you know? So it's like, if you've got a third of a converter left, you're talking honestly about such a small fraction of ink. You can, you can dump it back into your bottle if you want to. You risk slightly higher degree of contamination of whatever your nib maybe has come in contact with. If you got any like whatever paper fibers or dust and other schmutz and hand oils and stuff that could potentially be on your nib. You know, when you dump that back in the bottle, honestly, there's usually biocides and stuff in the ink that are there to combat all that. So I wouldn't lose any sleep over it. I would say if you, if it's a precious ink and if it's like, you know, they don't make it anymore. I only have so much. Okay. Dump it back in there and just use it and fine. Don't worry about it. Otherwise, honestly, you could just dump it down the drain and it's fine. It's going to be such a small amount in most cases. If you're just like, I've used half the converter. I really want to change colors. Do I really need to go back and dump it in the bottle and all that for like three drips that are going to come out? Personally, I used to do that. And now I don't because I have 200 some bottles of ink that are sitting. I'm like, (laughs) you know, I could not in my entire like future family lineage use all this ink. So uh, I'm just not going to sweat it. But it's really up to you. Yeah, my my thoughts would be if it is precious to you, you want to save every last bit and you're just cleaning this to then put it back in, you know, put it back in a sample vial or something like that. If you really wanted to, if you have a bulb syringe that's totally empty and does not have any other liquid in there, you could use that to put, to force some air through your feed and nib and get every last little bit out, um, over the, 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 um, the, uh, the, the ink sample thing, um, cause it's going to spritz. Uh, but, um, yeah, really just put it somewhere, clean your pen and then just put it back in. But yeah. Um, I mean, the nature of the question, I could see it like the phraseology of it is like, are you supposed to do anything special with the converter and then clean the pen? Like you clean the pen just like normal, no matter what you're doing with the ink, you clean the pen, clean it with water. Like Drew said, if you're going to put the same ink back in or a similarly colored ink, you don't have to super deep scrub the pen out, you know, just clean it with water and you'll be fine. Um, now, I wonder if maybe they're saying that because they have ink in the converter, but they only use the converter to clean the pen. Right. Or like they want to, so, maybe they need to clean out the pen, but they, they're not trying to dump the ink. Like I'm thinking if a pen is kind of dry writing and it's like, maybe my pen just needs to be cleaned out. The ink inside, it's fine. I want to keep using the ink, but I just need to clean out the pen. I could see that. Yeah. So situation. pull off the converter, pull off the converter and then spray spray some water in there using a bulb syringe and put the converter back on. Yeah, you could use a bulb syringe um, or you could just pull the converter off, dump the ink from the converter back into the bottle, you know, just directly and then use the converter, put it back on your pen and use that to clean the pen. You know, then you've saved the ink. So unless you don't have access to the original converter or sorry, the original bottle of ink, you know, so you filled it up from a friend or something like that or at a pen show or whatever, then you're kind of stuck a little bit. Um you know, but that's what I would do. Bulb syringe is a bit cool. the best tool. All right, one more. Always. One more, Drew. All right. How do you clean out 
fallout from Shimmer Ink in feeds that you cannot remove. I like that term, fallout. Fallout. That's kind of what it is. <laughs> so normally, yeah, you would pull the feed out and give that a good scrubbing. But Brian, what do you do when you can't pull the feed and you've got shimmerness all over your nooks and your crannies? You don't scrub it. <laughs> you scrub what you can and don't scrub the rest. I mean, what do you do? There you go. Well, how do you change Ultrasonic your- Ultrasonic cleaner maybe? I, like, I don't know. Uh, mean, you could do then, an, but then you got you got to put like your whole grip section in there and yeah, ooh. ultrasonic cleaner. But not everybody like has one of those laying around. Um, in those situations, I've found that a pen flush uh, will often help. And just flushing it a bunch of times with a pen flush, um, you know, where you can't mechanically clean something, you know, usually a chemical cleaning will not be as effective or as quick, but it can still do better than just plain water. So a pen flush or just like a dish soap and water kind of thing, some kind of chemical thing in there to help move it along where you physically can't get to those shimmering particles. Um, what are you doing over there, Drew? Uh, just dropping stuff. Yeah, uh, that that would be my answer, would be flush it with a, a cleaner of some kind and uh, then just get on with your life. Don't sweat it, <laughs> especially if you can't see it. I mean, you'll be able to reach it with a toothbrush with everything you can see. So as long as it's flowing through and you've flushed it out, like that's going to pretty much get what you need to get out of it. But it's actually also pretty rare. You can't remove the things like some people aren't comfortable removing, but you know, Drew, you and I have disassembled a lot of pens at this point. It's pretty rare that a pen can't be disassembled like at all. It's just, you need to yeah. know how to do it. Yeah, like Visconti's, I wouldn't recommend pulling the feeds out of those things. They're they're pretty like tight the in there. Sapiens. They're pretty tight in yeah, there. Yeah, you can get them out, but yeah, ugh. yeah. I think most people just aren't comfortable doing it, so that's probably yeah. So more it's the possible. Case. Yeah. yeah, it's almost always possible. Yeah, to but Brian's point, but you're you know, if you do it and you ruin something, that's not going to be covered under like a warranty type situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. sort of like if you you know replace parts on your car and you screw it up in the process. That's not really. Yeah. That's not really a yeah. manufacturing issue. That's kind of your own thing. So. Yep. All right. I'm excited, Drew, because you said you had a hypothetical this week. So now that we're through the Q&A, let's do some hypothetical. All right, Brian. So theoretically, you have two teleportation platforms for this hypothetical. One is always at your domicile, your place of habitation. And it can move if you move to a different house. That's fine. You can move that one. However, the second teleportation platform Mm. that will be on the other end where you can teleport to can be placed anywhere on planet earth okay um but it has to stay there forever only you can use this teleportation platform oh, you okay. can trans you can transport what you're wearing and then you know something in a small you know let's say you know eight by eight box that you can maybe take a small lunch in or something like mm, that okay um not like my backpack that i keep like 20 pounds of no stuff in. not your okay. gigantic backpack no can i wear cargo um, shorts but, in this uh, situation Yes. Because I'm often wearing cargo shorts. Yes, I know, I know. Yes, you can wear your cargo shorts, Brian. So basically, yeah, where would you like uh, where would you like to go? Have always always have access to. This is like current like we're not time traveling here. This is like current time. No. Like if I travel somewhere, time time stays the exact same. I'm traveling back. Correct. You know, it's not I mean this this is this is a platform that is on terra firma. It's just a a transportation mechanism. Okay. Exactly, and it and it's none of this like mm. you're you're dying and getting cloned. You're you're we're folding space time, so you don't have to okay. worry about that either. Is you're, it like the movie? Literally the f- moving. Is it like the movie The Fly, where if I like have another like another bug that's in there with me, I like morph into that 
like one being with whatever that am- have you seen the movie the fly you know what i'm talking about i have i have no you're not gonna you no, you're gonna be so fine. i would be guaranteed because i wouldn't even want to step in that thing if i knew that that was guaranteed i got a lot of bugs around guaranteed. here you've been to my place guaranteed too. it is it okay. is coded to your dna okay hmm that's a good question drew hypothetically okay so where would i where would i want the ability to teleport to in the world but just one, yep, just one location. You want to go to someplace, you know, vacationy, mm. tropical, someplace that you enjoy being, or do you want to go to someplace that's really, really helpful? Like, you know, I know a lot of people would just be like, oh my God, if I can just go to New York whenever I want to, that would save so much time and effort and money or go to the West Coast, you know, just for practical purposes. Uh, I was going to say my most practical answer would just be work, just the office, you know, because that's, oh that's a place that I like commute to the most. And if I didn't have to like, I could save like 20 minutes each way, like every time I go to work. That's a super lame God. answer, though, so I won't go with that. Super lame. That's too, yes. way Let's too lame and practical. I didn't hear that. Gosh, that's a good question, Drew. You know, you saw you saw um, uh, the Last Jedi, right? The second movie in the uh, Star Wars sequel yes. trilogy. Yes. You know the island that you know the island that Luke Skywalker exiles himself yeah. to with yeah. all the porgs on it. Yeah. That's a pretty solid contender. Oh, that is cool. Yeah, I would probably pick some like really super like scenic location. You know, yeah. like, like the Swiss Alps or something like that. You know, somewhere Yosemite. It's like, Yosemite would be good. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Somewhere yeah. that's like you could go there, recreate. You know, and then just like come right back. You know, I, yeah. I probably wouldn't choose a I've place. The, I wouldn't choose a place where there's like a ton of people. I would probably choose like a retreat place of some kind like that. I'm, I'm vibing yeah. with that. Now, I, for you, would pick Japan so you can go make some connections over there and get us some Japan-exclusive pens. I mean, Japan um, is pretty cool. They got some cool mountains and stuff over there, too. Like I feel is... like that would be the responsible thing for you to do, Brian. Just go make some regular Japan visits. I wouldn't hate that. Bring us, bring us some better colors of the 823. I mean, come on, man. Don't, don't be so selfish. I wouldn't hate that. I like mountains. I would, probably, <laughs> I, would choose, I would choose some kind of mountainous location. That's what I would yeah. do. Yosemite's good. That's a good one, Drew. Mm. Mm. That place is freaking beautiful. I, I thought of this and I gave it a lot of thought and I could not come up with one. I, I, I was like, what about like an abandoned castle somewhere? Like it would just be like, yes, I live in this castle. And I even looked <laughs> up, you know, the, the the Luke Skywalker Island is called Skellig Michael. And I'm like, ooh, cool. Let me go there. And then I found out there's always like a groundskeeper there. So I didn't need to avoid him because be like, what are you doing here? Did you pay to get here? Who are you? Because, but Drew, yeah, you so could, wanna... Drew, you could totally befriend him and you could like bring him like exotic treats from your house, you know, in your cargo shorts. You know, you could bring him. I'd have to wear cargo shorts. Though. You could bring him satellite wafers and circus <laughs> peanuts and things that are probably very exotic. Ew, to him. I'm not trying to kill him. Good and plenty. You know, all the Ew. all the pleasures of this world. You could bring. Oh, to that's him. just hateful. That's hateful. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. So hmm. I like that. All right. Well, good there you episode. go. Well, let us know what you think. Where would, where would your pl- your teleportation mm. place be? You can't move it. Once it's there, it's there. So Drew, if I had to pick one for you, it would be. Food for Thought in Colonial Williamsburg. Oh, I do love that restaurant. That would be a good one, right? You could go mm. get your shrimp you, and grits anytime you want. Oh, so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? Sorry. Yeah, I was literally was like, Drew's going to be imagining that meal now. <laughs> and then I mentioned oh. that. It's so good. <laughs> oh. Anyway, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, there you go. There you have it. <laughs> Awesome. That was you were you were surprisingly agreeable on that one, Brian. Well, that was a solid question, Drew. That was a solid question. And you, right. you, you appropriately caveated it with all of the I did. I was questions. Ready for you. I could tell that you planned <laughs> that out with like what is what's all the BS that Brian's gonna ask me to <laughs> make this question unfun. Yes. 
No, it's good. It's good. All right. I'll play your game, you rogue. <laughs> All right. We got a new segment in here that we have not done before. We alluded to it at the very beginning. And this is, you know, credit to Drew. He came up with this one. We do get asked about this quite a bit. It's called Frankenpen. Um, you know, the, the the idea was like, what what components of a pen would you pick from like all of your favorite ones and make your own pen out of it if you could? It's not super practical. We're not beholden to any of these answers. We are just talking about some of the fun pen parts that we thought would be kind of cool. So Drew and I each broke it down. I'll let you go first, Drew, since it's your idea. And uh, you can tell us like, you know, what kind of Franken pen that you would, you would dream up if you could. All right. Now, I don't know if this is my idea, Brian. I got this from that old document we were working off of a while ago, but yeah, sure, mm. I'll take credit. It was your idea um, to do it today. <laughs> oh, yes, it was. That That is true. Um, Brian, we are at uh, about an hour and 10 minutes, just FYI. It's all good, um, man. We can go so, forever. Uh, <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> all right. So um, breaking this down by part. So my dream Franken pen nib would be the Paniter Quill nib. Um, however, I would want that because I find that nib absolutely beautiful. It's got a good balance. I would want it custom ground, though. I have a nib that's custom ground by um, uh, Gina Salarino to an extra, extra fine with added flex. She does a magic job there. So I'd want that because I have it on my Pilot 912. I want it on this. As far as a feed goes, uh, Flexible Nib Factory makes uh, ebonite feeds for replacement pens. I'd want one of those because that pen needs some extra flow for that nib. So it needs to be a two-channel ebonite feed. For the grip, I like the grip on the Edison Menlo. It's also a similar grip on the Edison Ascent. It's got a really big honking stop so that your fingers, boom, cannot go any farther. I really like that. It's very, very comfortable. Probably my favorite grip. Filling mechanism-wise, I want it to be the same filler that's on the 823, mm. the vacuum filler on the Pilot 823. As far as the barrel goes... I did some research, and uh, the Tibaldi Impero celluloid is probably like the most sought-after, most beautiful celluloid ever made. Brian, if you haven't seen it, I will show it to you. I was going to say, i got to Google this real mind. quick. Dude, you're, you're going to love it. It's, it's, it's this gorgeous gray with blue veining that just – it's unlike anything else. Anyway, I would want that. It needs to have an ink window because it's a vac. I need to see my ink level. Flat top, not cigar shape. Um uh, with a uh, you know piston knob, and I want it to be faceted like a Visconti Van Gogh, really small facets all the way around. For the cap, I want it to be the same cap as the Pilot Stargazer, which is discontinued but has the most satisfying little when you cap it. I think it's beautiful. And the clip needs to be the same clip from the Montegrappa Lord of the Rings pen, Sting, the, the sword from uh, the Frodo sword, Sting. I want that on there too because why not? And then finally, just... Sterling silver trim on the whole thing. Perfect pen. Like a raw sterling silver that you have to like polish and stuff? Or would you want it to be yes. like coated? Yes. No, you want the tarnishing no, I, want it, I want it raw. I, I want it raw. It, rem- it reminds me of uh, coins. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. So I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll opt in here, Drew, rather than the Lord of the Rings. I would say you, you could do the uh, Monograppa Chaos clip as well. Would also be a suitable... See. I looked at the chaos clip, Brian, and it is a fist holding a winged sword, and the sword seemed to bend down a little bit in order to actually function as a clip, and I don't like the angle. I also considered the Montegrappa pirate pen, but it comes with a big old pirate skull with a big old tricorn hat mm. that needs to be on top, and I'm like, that's just too ostentatious for me, Brian. Oh, so you're going for practicality here with your ridiculous <laughs> Franken pen. Okay. Clearly. Fair enough. Okay, Mr. Fair Man, enough. let's hear your 
Frankenpen. And oh, mine's ridiculous. How beautiful that is. I guarantee you the first thing you're going to say is going to be obnoxious. Go ahead. Go yep. ahead. Let's let's say that's all obnoxious. Mm-hmm. That's the whole part of the exercise. All right. <clears throat> oh, okay. Pot starting kettle. Starting off with a nib. Um, I would go with the Namiki Emperor because it's the biggest nib. It writes beautifully. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I would go with that. Um, except I would mm-hmm. want to custom ground to like a 0.7 millimeter stub. You know, like a th- like a small stub, something you can't get like anywhere. You know, like a cursive cursive stub italic kind of thing. You know, Mark Bacchus could do a good job with that, I think. Um, or Gina, they both could handle it well. Um, anyway, just a big honking nib. Uh, all practicality <laughs> aside, it's just cool. Um, the feed, you know, the feed that comes on the emperor obviously is suited well for the emperor nib. So that is kind of an obvious one, but I love the look of the Pilot M90 feed, that like angular swooping kind of feed that just tucks up right underneath the nib. How cool would that look on an Emperor nib? Like how big would that feed swoop be? That would be kind of cool. So I'm going to go with that (coughs) since this isn't even real. Um, The grip, I like the uh, Sailor King of pens. I like the size of that grip. It's, it's for me, it's more about the grip diameter than it is necessarily about the shape. Um, so I like, you know, it's a big grip. I'm a, I have big hands. I like a big grip that isn't too, um, like slick. So I do like that. Um, but I would want it to be made out of a hygroscopic material like the homo sapiens lava material, or maybe an ebonite or something mm-hmm. like that, because I have very oily hands and having a grippier material would be desirable for me. Uh, filling mechanism. I love the Conid filling mechanism. I, if ever there was a chance for us to carry their pens, I would do it in a heartbeat, but like it's only become less possible and practical over the years as we've been talking to them. So oh, dude, do you, do you even know how much they're going for on eBay right now? It's ridiculous. Yeah. They're like, I don't even think they're taking orders for them anymore. Oh no, like, they're not. They haven't, they haven't in like a long time, like a couple, they, like they, a year, a year or two at least. Yeah. So it's like, Oh yeah, it's ridiculous, but the technology is so cool. I do love I that filling mechanism. So that's cool. Um, as far as the barrel goes, I love the sapphire cellulose, that Namiki custom impressions cellulose. I'm generally not like a diehard, like fleck material guy, but that celluloid is so, so good. So good. Um, that, or, you know, I love wood pens. So Amboina Burl is like my favorite wood pen. So going with like a nice Burl, like, you know, kind of a rosewood color Burl pen, that would be cool. Um, I, I would prefer more of a cigar shape, you know, more like a king of pens kind of thing as opposed to like a hard flat top, you know, but they both look good. Um, so any of those would work. And then incorporating an ink window in there somewhere, somehow, I don't know what that would look like, but I do like the functionality of an ink window. Um, cap wise, I would go with the hook safe lock threads from the like homo sapiens or Visconti. I love the hook safe lock threading mechanism for the cap. So I would incorporate that in there somehow. At this point, this pen is about 12 inches in diameter to fit all this junk in <laughs> one place. Like this is so impractical, but somehow this would all work. Um, clip wise, I don't really have like a clip that I pine for so much. It's probably one of the aspects of the pen I care the least about. It's more like, how do I not ruin this pen with the clip that's on it kind of thing? Then it is like, oh, this clip is like, what draws me to this pen? I don't really care. Mm -hmm. Um, I love the spring clip 
like like a Lamy 2000 or like a Panite or something like that. Like I like the function of a spring clip. So I do mm-hmm. really like that. Um, but like aesthetically, I like the Pelican like bill clip or like a, the Montegrappa Elmo that's got the little wheel on the end. I feel like that's a really mm-hmm. simplistic but very functional kind of clip. So like a spring clip Montegrappa Elmo with the wheel on it would be cool. I don't know. That seems seems classy. Uh, and then tri- You don't have to have a clip. I mean, you can go clipless. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Or roll stop. You could have like some Rubik's Cube roll stop or something. I mean, that would be kind of cool. Roll stops are okay. But I do like clips. Like, especially when you put it in like a pen case, it just gives you a positive place to stop it, you know? Yeah. Um, And then trim wise, I would go, I'm kind of like you. I kind of like with like a bronze or copper kind of thing. I like the tarnishing kind of thing. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, oh, it's just cool. And Or like a gun metal. Like I, I like a like a ruthenium or like a darker kind of metal would be kind of cool. De- For sure. Depends on which of these other, like if I went to set like the sapphire celluloid kind of thing, maybe like the gun metal. Uh, but if I go like the Amboyna Burl, it could be, it would go better with like a copper kind of thing. It's a little warmer than like the gunmetal. So there you go. Yeah. I think you, I think you need Amboyna Burl. You've been it's crazy like, about that yeah. wood for so long. That's like, that's Brian at his core, you know? It's good stuff. It's a yep. beautiful wood. Yep. It's in the Babinga. No, it's in the Paduk family, I believe. Paduk. Paduk. Yeah. I think, I think that's correct. I think I remember reading somewhere that Amboyna Burl is like one of these conglomerated like names of woods, um, sort of like African mahogany. It could be like 10 different species of woods and they just call it like with that one thing. I think Amboyna Burl falls into the same thing, but I think it's Paduke Burl is, is what it does often referred to. Okay. As, anyway, no one cares. Literally no one cares but me. So <laughs> somebody does. Somebody's nope. did it. let Brian know you no, care. No, you won't. You won't care. You can tell me you care in the comments, but I know that you're not going to care. It's fine. If you actually care, if you actually care, I'd be shocked. And then you should tell me in the comments, but don't tell me in the comments you care if you don't actually care. Like I don't There's need I don't need you to humor me. Like I'm strong enough in my own hobbies desires within for the fountain, wood. Pen, yeah. fountain pen realm. You know that. <laughs> um. Anyway, hey, do you want to talk about what's happening? I do. Did I lose you? Hey, you're back. Hi. Yeah, my internet connection is being real terrible today. So that's fine. That's fine. It's nice to see you again. Yeah. If we are talking over each other in today's broadcast, it's because we're like hanging up and I'm like, I'm talking for 10 seconds and I realize Drew is not moved for 10 seconds and he's probably talking over top of me. Anyway, so that's just it. If he's not busy dropping his coin everywhere, like he's done. I haven't dropped times. my coin. I only dropped, <laughs> I only dropped, a, I dropped my coin once and I dropped another pen once. Okay. Fair enough. All right. What's happening? Uh, hey. Well, you're listed first. Drew. Well, it was Mother's Day. Yeah, we did the yeah. Mother's Day thing. It was pretty. It was pretty simple. Um, uh, I did, you know, my wife's kind of Mother's Day thing with our kid. You know, let him appreciate her on Saturday, and then Sunday I appreciated my mom. So we had a little cookout at our house, and then for my wife's Mother's Day adventure, we went to Colonial Williamsburg because we're 75 and mm. we love it. That's where you should set your teleporter, Drew, is at Colonial Williamsburg because I feel like that's where you go the most. It's not far away. It's fine. I like the drive. <laughs> that's all good. That's fun, man. That's fun. Yeah, we did some Mother's Day yeah. stuff. Yeah. We laid a little low. Rachel wasn't feeling super great, but we still made the most of it. Um, yeah. And for me, I've been busy doing a bunch of outside stuff. It's springtime, lots of yard work, that kind of stuff. Um, I got a new shed delivered. I ordered it like two months ago and it finally got delivered. So that was exciting. Hey, yo. Had to put a ramp on the shed so that I could get the things into the shed that I need to, like my lawnmower and whatnot. 
Um, I got a power washer, which normally no one cares about, but um, little Goulet history here. So I power washed houses with my dad um, in the early days of Goulet pens. Like essentially if I hadn't been a power washer, not sure Goulet pens ever would have happened as it did because it was in the kind of off season of the power washing that I was making pens in my spare time. And so due to the seasonality of the power washing business, that allowed me the time to do the pen making thing. So just kind of a happy circumstance. So I have not power washed anything in over a decade. Um, and my father retired from his power washing business. So now I was like, well, my dad can't power wash my house anymore. So I need to figure out something else to do. So um, bought a power washer and been messing around with it. And I have like this caked up buildup of pollen all over our driveway um, that when it rains, it turns into like an oil slick. And it's just like, I've wrecked my bike. Ellie's wrecked her scooter on our driveway due to this pollen. So I was like, you know what? Having a power washer to get that crowd off of there is probably not a bad idea. So been mess- yep. messing around with that and it's working great. Um, and then, you know, Drew, you, you, you can empathize about what it is to have like an obsessive kind of hobby nature about yourself. You know, like hmm. maybe you get into gardening as an example. I'm just throwing that out just as a potential possible Maybe you start example. collecting coins and Game Boys for no reason. Could be. These are all examples. Hypothetically. These are all hypothetically things that you could get into um, even while you simultaneously have other interests that you are still juggling. Um, so, you know, yes. being being a, um individual like myself who also does that, um, I've been doing a lot of like tree cutting, you know, getting into that kind of stuff. There's a lot of arborists on YouTube that make videos and you can watch how they cut down trees and stuff and getting into like knot tying and stuff like that. So I've gotten all into that. I was not a boy scout growing up. I had no formal training of tying knots. So to me, it feels very much like when I first got into fountain pens, which is like, oh my gosh, I had no idea this existed and was possible. And it's like, oh yeah, people have been like tying knots for thousands of years. Like this is nothing new, but it's new to me and it's really exciting. So I'm like, you know, I have like small ropes and stuff that I keep now around my abode. And like, as I'm watching (laughs) TV or doing whatever, playing a board game with the kids and it's not my turn, I'm like practicing like cow hitches and truckers hitches and all these types of things. So it's, it's a lot of fun. I'm very much enjoying the knot tying thing. So, you know, why not? (laughs) <laughs> Why not? Didn't mean to do that, but it happened. Let's do the comp nay updates. We don't comp nay updates. updates. We don't have a ton of these, but we did take a mental health half day last Friday. That's been really good. We've done several of those this year so far, maybe like one a month or so. Um, it's mm-hmm. something that we, you know, can certainly consider continuing in the future. We got some holidays that are coming up. Um, so we'll have some natural breaks in there anyway, but, um, you know, it's been received really well. It's, it's worked out well for us. Like even just, you know, personally, Rachel and I, as the owners, like have really enjoyed just shutting down the whole company for like half a day. So we can all just get random things done, you know, take some time for our families and stuff. It's been great. So, um, had one of those on Friday, um, and another just weird random thing. So if you haven't heard, there was this like cyber attack on the East coast pipeline, basically, I don't know all the details of it. Cause I've had a lot of other stuff going on this week, but like every gas station around here is now out of gas. So we are dealing with that. I heard it could be better by this weekend. Don't know, but we're like, what do we do if people can't drive to work? <laughs> like it's kind of affecting like 80% of the gas on the East coast. So we're dealing with that. And in the middle of that, have no idea how it's going to pan out. But as of Wednesday afternoon, when we're recording this, every gas station I've passed today has been completely bone dry. So I'm going to try not to drive very much if I don't have to. 
And that's just what's going on here. Yeah, people are panicking and creating quite a bit of scarcity. Yeah, I mean, there's like the real, it's like it's like the toilet paper or like the, um, what do they call them, milk sandwiches that happen every time at the grocery store when, <laughs> oh yes. my gosh, like there's a thread of snow. Everybody buy milk and bread. Like, okay, like you can survive without milk and bread for two days if you had to probably. Um, yes. But like that's, what, that's the thing that everybody goes on and gets. It's got that kind of vibe to it. You know, of course, then it just feeds itself because like you start to see gas stations that run out of gas and you're like, oh, my gosh, I got to go get gas now. Let me drive. Yeah, because then then the scarcity is real. becomes real very quickly because. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's a thing. What are you going to do? So there you go. Um, Let's skip the let's skip the what's on your desk portion, Drew, since we're going really, really long. And we'll just go right to the outro. All right. So we are we're going to intentionally not try to beat last week's. We still went pretty long, though. Look at us. We are impressive, aren't we? Um, anyway. We might have beat last week. So we're at an hour and 25. It was like an hour 40 last week. It was, it was pretty Oh, long. okay. Yeah, well, we're good then. Yeah. What are you going to do? Anyway, we just want to thank you so much for watching. We really enjoy doing this for you all. We love your feedback. So please leave us some comments over on YouTube. If you are not on YouTube and you're listening to us in audio form, um, be sure to email us at pencast at gulepens.com if you have any specific questions. Now, the thing I will say about this email, pencast at gulepens.com, Drew, is uh, we're getting all kinds of random stuff to there. We're getting people that are just like asking random things or just leaving us feedback they, they're not being specific about whether it's for the pencast or not. We've seen other people point on like Gulia Nation or other places online. They're like, oh, if you just have any, like, any random question, like just email these people. And it's like, well, that's not really what it's, it's kind of for specifically the show. So anyway, we're having to sift through that a little bit. So anyway, if you are specifically listening to the show and you want to ask a question for the show, it helps if you put that somewhere in the subject or in the body of the email. That way we know we're not just being like randomly solicited and stuff like that because that is just everything that happens with email addresses these days. Yeah, if you actually have a question that you need help with, like troubleshooting advice, shopping yeah, tips, like, stuff like that. Like what, what's the status yeah. of my order? It's like that's not what that email's for. We'll just yeah, forward that you can email info, info at gouletpens.com for our customer care team. Boom. And we also might not pick your question for this show, even if it's a legit question because we already go long enough and we have to cut it off somewhere. Probably should have cut it off sooner. But anyway... <laughs> We're learning. Still, it's only episode four. What are you going to do? Check out gulaypens.com for all your fountain pen, ink, and paper needs. Be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube, Instagram, and all of the other channels that we're on. And I will leave you all off with a random fun fact. Judith Love Cohen, who helped create the abort guidance system, which rescued the Apollo 13 astronauts, went to work on the day that she was in labor. She took a printout of the problem that she was working on with her to the hospital. She called her boss and said that she had finished the problem while in labor. Bamf lady. The baby that she gave birth to? Jack Black. Celebrity, actor, musician, comedian. And I like verified this. It was on Snopes and everything. It was like, is this for real? And it's like, no, it's real. Like Jack Black's talked about it. His mom was a friggin' B.A., like scientist, super mega smart lady did all this amazing stuff for NASA. It's pretty cool. Look up Judith Love Cohen. Very inspiring lady. That is awesome. Yeah. There you go. That's all we got for you this week. Thank you so much, everybody. And right on.